The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It's been almost a year in the making, but the Lionesses are back with their first match in 12 months. And what a way to return to international football. A 6-0 win over Northern Ireland for interim boss Hegarisa as the post-Phil Neville era began in emphatic style. We'll wrap up all the details from the friendly, which included a hat-trick for Ellen White. And great Scott, another milestone for midfielder Jill, who earned her 150th cap today, will pay tribute to this England legend with the manager who gave her her debut back in 2006. Brighton boss Hope Powell is on the way shortly. Welcome along to the show. I'm Kate Borsay. And I'm Lindsay Hooper. And this week we're joined by an England defender who played over 60 times for a country, including at World Cups and European Championships. The former Birmingham, Arsenal, Chelsea and Notts County player, Laura Bassett. Welcome to the show from across the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, ladies. How are we? Feeling a bit jealous of you, Bass, if I'm absolutely honest. Um, I know that life is a little bit freer um, for you over there. How's it been sort of settling back into sunshine and perhaps slightly more relaxed rules yeah really relaxed rules it feels like life over here is going on exactly the same but everyone's just wearing a mask um but I'm still in kind of the England England mentality um of being over precautious and and do, trying to do the right thing but you're right it has been the weather the sunshine does cheer you up it's slightly cloudy at the minute but it's still 19 20 degrees and will be getting hotter so apologies <laughs> apologies for anyone's listening we last spoke to you Laura in December so it's been a few months now uh, in terms of the way that football got up and running again were you impressed generally because we've had the announcement as well that the grassroots and, and lower pyramid of women's football will be returning as well there is a there is a route there is a road map as Boris Johnson is calling it <laughs> yeah I, I have been impressed to be honest I think that you know I think People have just been craving information and decisions. I think whether you like the decisions or the information, whether you like it or not, if you've got a decision, if you know what you're aiming for, you know, you can count down those days or you can start planning um, and people can have things to look forward to in a safe way. Well, we've got some international action to speak about, as we've hinted on today's show. So let's get cracking. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Deans Media and The Athletic. Here come England taking it into the penalty area. And that is as easy as you like for Lucy Bronze. The ball in from Scott finds White. And there is the hat-trick. A beautiful finish on the angle. Ellen White has three. England have four. Bella Toon looks to score on her debut for her country. It is Toon and she does score. A debut goal for Manchester United's Ella Toon. England lead Northern Ireland by six goals to nil. Yes, England's first international for almost a year and the first since the departure of Phil Neville began in emphatic fashion with a 6-0 thrashing of Northern Ireland in their friendly at a very windy St George's Park. If you try to watch it like I did, it was hard to keep up at times. Ellen White opened the scoring after 18 minutes before bagging a second five minutes later. 
Lucy Bronze added to the tally in the first half before White sealed her hat-trick just after half-time. Rachel Daly, she netted England's fifth on 67 minutes, with Ella Toon, who was making her debut, wrapping up the victory from the penalty spot 15 minutes from time. The Lionesses were captained by Everton midfielder Jill Scott. 150 is the cap number now for Jill. Fantastic accolade. So, some bright points for England. Where do we start? Should we start with the hat-trick hero, Ella and White, uh, Laura, just uh, take us through what you thought of her performance, how good it was to see her so confident and, you know, running around freely, scoring freely. Yeah, I think, you know, she's picked up the form that she's been producing for Man City, um, breaking the WSL record recently. So I just think the way she's playing, her body language, the important goals that she's scoring for her team, you can tell she's just thoroughly enjoying her football. And I think she just took that form into today's game. I thought everyone, but you know, mainly Ellen, was just refreshed, so hung- hungry. Um, and it was always going to be a game where England were going to have the majority of the ball of the possession. So as a, as a forward, Ellen knows she's going to have the service around her and have chances. But I just thought she was you know, in the right places, the right, right times. Um, and she looked like she was thoroughly enjoying herself out there. I noticed the goggles were out, weren't they? <laughs> That's always a good sign for England when the goggles are out. <laughs> She's looking more and more clinical with her finishing as well, certainly on, on recent form. The one thing that I really admired in this performance from England was, and, and maybe this is is reflecting on Risa being in charge as well and the way that she wants them to play, there were lots of switches of play. And I, I can't remember the last time that I watched England and when something wasn't working, they switched it up and changed it and had more creative ideas. Did, did that leave an impression on you? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, and also it's the speed of play, isn't it? When you've got a team that are in such a low block, mm. um, they're not coming out, they're being stubborn, they're being resilient. You have to move the ball. because, And, and like you say, keep switching it, not only to one side, not only two switches, um, but just be patient because the gaps will open up because as a defending team without the ball, you lose concentration, you might be slower to get you know defend a space so when you're on the ball yeah I think the switches were really good also the interplay the rotation of players like you say when you have that stability of Leah and, and Steph at the back you know the fullbacks and the wide players were interchanging were being able to come inside or stay wide and they have the freedom um, and the rotation to be able to do that that causes havoc with defending teams and I think you know, we saw that the naivety from Northern Ireland there. Yeah, I think also from Northern Ireland, um, although the scoreline could have been higher, but it wasn't thanks to Becky Flaherty. Um, they were always going to use this game as a learning experience. And one thing to credit them with is they didn't sit back, did they? They didn't look like they were in the middle of an onslaught. They just kept, you know, sort of pressing on to to some extent. So so credit Credit to them for not sort of shrinking away when the goals really started to go in. I must say that was um, that was good. Plenty of players making their debut for England as well. Always exciting to see. Ella Toon, she was on at half-time. Of course, she converted a pen. So uh, really good uh, first appearance for her. Um, Sandy McKeever on for Ellie Roebuck at half-time as well. And then we saw Lotta Wuben moy and Ebony Salmon. And I think that we should credit Hegarisa to some extent, you know, for a side that hasn't had a competitive game really in 349 days to make this their first proper game and to be able to utilise so much of her squad was a really good positive for me. Yeah, definitely. I think I think uh, to, to mark off the game, it was a memorable game, wasn't it? For so many different reasons, Ellen White getting a hat-trick, Jill Scott's 150th and then for four players to make their debut. Just such a memorable, I, I think... You know, it's it's been such a shining light, and we haven't had 
we haven't seen the Lionesses play, like you said, in 349 days. So we've waited for this moment. And when it's come, you know, we've delivered, we've got six goals, clean sheets and all those memorable things that I've just stated. You know, it's just the icing on the cake, wasn't it, to get four players to make their debut. They won't forget this moment. And, and there's quite a few, you know, a lot of people won't forget this game, this moment. Now, Kate, you were homeschooling whilst the match was on. <laughs> Well, I was actually using the match as a point of homeschooling. So I, so I had the kids sat down and we, you know, talked about if three goals plus three goals is six. What is a hat trick? You know, I utilised it fully, basically eleven v eleven. Yeah, I think in in true homeschooling style, then it deserves a grade, and England would be scoring a high one here. And don't give me numbers. I, I actually was from the system that had letters, you know, A, B or C. Oh, OK. OK. <laughs> me too. Well, I was going to say eight out of ten. Um, I'm going to give them a B plus because let's put it into context. Um, the Northern Ireland team, um, part-time players, also a lot of them unable to play some of their regular um, side because of work commitments and other things as well. So I'm going to give them a B plus, as in hopeful. I, I'm wondering what Bass makes of this. Seeing as it's 6-0, if you were part of this team, Bass, and you were getting a B plus. But you have to put it into context, don't you? Yeah, I, I agree, actually, Kate. You have to put it into context. And, and so although those players have high standards and that will be job done. We've scored six goals. We're expected to, you know, Northern Ireland lost to Norway both times um, 6-0. So, you know, if England are pitching themselves against Norway in very different circumstances, but, you know, they're there or thereabouts. So they will have high standards. They won't, yeah, they'll be happy representing England and, and, and performing like that. But I think context is important. Well, as we're talking about grading, let's talk about Hegarisa. It's her first game uh, as interim manager in charge of the side. Um, it was a good one, positive. We know she's going to feature somehow with the Olympics set up, but we don't know how yet, which is a bit awkward. She'll be really wanting to be getting going from this point as well. So I'd imagine, Laura, that it might be quite frustrating for her to get to this point and then you know, potentially not be able to do a lot more with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too sure what her thoughts may be. But obviously, you know, from what we've heard, it's been a very strange camp anyway, having to do a lot of meetings and individual meetings through a computer, um, not having that personal interaction where you really get to know players and you can see body language and how expressive people are. And like you say, I just think she'd be wanting to, you've got the momentum, you've got the bug now, you want to build on it and, and people, players disperse and go back to their own environment. So very strange. I, I, I wouldn't know what to make of it, to be honest. In terms of building momentum, she has got at least one other game on the fixture list at 13th of April when England play Bev Priestman's Canada. It will be a saucy fixture. So one to really build towards now, which is uh, and, and and which will be a plus for Hegarisa. And um, we also heard, as, as she is now, Dame Sue Campbell speaking at half time to BBC Sports uh, in the game. And she said in terms of Team GB, they need to submit Submit the staffing list in the next few weeks. So that will force their hand, won't it, in terms of whether Hegarisa will manage that team or whether she'll be part of the management setup. Um, on the players, by the way, just out of interest, she says that they're going from, from, a, from a long, long list to a short, long list. <laughs> In in the next week or so, of course, uh, you know, with players from from all nations involved and the final list of players they need to submit April, May time, I believe, or she said will become clear April, May time. So we've got a little bit more definition on that. I feel like 
it would be a real surprise now if Hegarisa wasn't in charge for that. I don't know whether you share that view, Bass, but, you know, right now having these training camps, getting to know the players, it feels really cruel, doesn't it, to then say, oh, we're going to whip you away and bring someone else in. And also from the girls' point of view, they're going to have to get used to an, another voice, more instructions. And by the time the Olympics comes round... There may have been an opportunity for a bit more, like you say, face to face, which would be a shame if she missed out on that. Yeah, I'm with you, Lindsay. I just feel find the whole whole situation bizarre. I've never known anything like it in my life. I just I just find it really uncomfortable. It's been badly managed, hasn't it, Bass? I think I'm allowed to say that. I, I, I believe so, because if um, I mean, I think Hegarisa, if you were her, um, you know, she's in a very, very good position. She's got a job to go to and whatever the FA gives her the nod to do, she just delivers. So, you know, it's nothing personal against her. I think um, I kind of have more respect for the whole situation if, if the FA were making decisions because it it seems like there's something underlying where if if she was going to take the Olympics, it would have been announced. So what are they waiting for? Are they contacting other people? Are they? It, it just feels like it's really uncertain. I don't know why. You know, maybe it would have been clearer for Hegarisa and Rianne Wilkinson to take Team GB if, if that's the route we go into. It's clear definitions, and then maybe for the lion, the three lionesses camps before Serena Weigman, because I'm really, really excited and interested for her to take over in September. But for the three camp lionesses camps, I just don't know why we didn't look in house a little bit more. You know, we we have the coaching excellence initiative. We have ex players, Mary Phillips, Rachel Yankee. We have youth youth coaches. If if coaches are good enough to you know manage and develop our youth team players, they should be good enough to deliver the senior players. Can we have a quick word on Northern Ireland as well? I feel like we should pay them some dues here, um, especially because we had Jen O'Neill um, in the preview to this game on on last week's show talking about Northern Ireland and how they they've been pretty fearless. I think that was one of the words that she used. Kate, was it? Yes. And she was she was also quite impressed, wasn't she, with the the fact that they are mainly um, part time setup of how they've been performing and I thought there were there were real glimmers of hope for Northern Ireland and maybe a couple of standout players as well that we could talk about for Team GB potentially um, but one of the overriding things I thought with this was having said that and having listened to Jen maybe because I went into this watching them expecting them to be a bit braver I thought they were a bit nervous I thought I could see nerves and I don't know whether you detected it. I'll just weigh in here quickly and say I think they did well considering the difference in class and the fact that they weren't playing with a lot of their regular players Um, as I said I felt like they didn't drop back the whole time they didn't hide Um, they just went with it Um, and as I said earlier Kenny Shields the manager was was always you know using this as a learning experience it was all about let's go out there and see what we can learn about ourselves as a group and you know he's got one eye of course on the playoff place for the Euros too so they've got a two-legged playoff in April yet to be named opponent but they've got this fantastic chance Northern Ireland to qualify for the Euros which would be historic when you consider how that national team has turned around since the beginning of the decade Um, and there's a real opportunity for them Um, I think that they just use this as experience and they they basically certainly shouldn't let the wind be taken out of their sails I don't know don't know what you think Bass Team GB wise as well do do you think Rachel Furness could could be included it's a tough call, isn't it? I'm a big fan of Rachel Furness. I think we've seen glimpses of her, what she can produce against um, WSL1 teams in the Continental Cup. 
Um, and I, th- I think that maybe her her playing for Liverpool in the Championship um, might affect the selection. And and I just think across the four nations, the midfield competition she's up against, she just might miss out. But she's a top, top player for Northern Ireland. And I have been in, very impressed with them. And, and what's good about taking on the challenge today against the Lionesses, they're gonna, the two playoff games that they have coming up, you know, the, the player's going to have to get used to stepping up in pressurised situations. So today was one of them um, and, and those two playoff games will be another. I think we should end this chat on the Lionesses with one person that you know very well, Bass, uh, Jill Scott. Obvious Jill, let's go. Uh, yeah, classic Jill. And actually really, really great for her to have this 150th cap Bass, um, she told the BBC after the game, actually, that thanks had to go to Steph Horton for letting her have the captain's armband today. She's made so much effort, said Jill of Steph, uh, to make sure it was a special day for me. Everything I do is just to make my family proud, but I don't think this has sunk in yet. She also went on to talk about how she feels just as sprightly as she did all those years ago making her debut, which didn't surprise me at all. (laughs) No, that's right. And and, and credit because if, if this you know milestone would have been hit by by any other player, Jill would have gone out of her way to make it super special for for that player because that's how thoughtful she is. Um, I think whenever you just say her name, a smile comes to everybody's faces because we can all instantly go to something funny she said, she's acted, or and then on pitch the performance, the goals, um, the you know the the way she plays. So she's she's just been you know, such a leader and a pioneer in women's football. And I just think, but in in a way that how she's affected people and players on and off the pitch, I think everyone has a story about Jill. Go on then. What's one of yours? What's one of your stories? No, do you know, know, I wasn't thinking of a story because what, and, and a good thing about Jill is what you see on the camera is how Jill is day to day. That's not a show or that's not a performance or that's not her. That is how she is day to day. She's as wacky as that. But um, when we'd be chilling out of a night, she'd come to the room and she'd want a cup of tea making. So you'd just, and we'd just be relaxing. You know, I was probably half asleep being absolutely shattered from a double session or something like that and whatever. So then Jill would leave and, and you'd just find there's often in a hotel room, a note, a notepad and pen. And I haven't even noticed that she's doing it because we've been chatting about whatever's on TV or the day or what we've got tomorrow. And you'd like she'd leave the room and I'd look at the notepad and she's wrote a poem. I don't mean a love poem. I'm not divulging anything here. But I mean, like her brain is the way her brain works. She and she and it would just be like a poem about a funny poem about me or about what's happened. And what I mean is that how has she done that while we've been having a conversation with Carly in the room, with other people like. She's just her, her, the way her brain works. And, you know, she's often said before in interviews, she doesn't set goals and, and it's just day by day because she really doesn't take anything for granted. That's I think that's what keeps her true to her values, um, hard work, dedication and, and, and takes one step at a time. She doesn't look too far ahead. And I think that that really key traits of her that's kept her grounded, kept her um you know able to connect with everyone but I know that's a really rubbish story about the poem but no I like it I don't think I've ever ever heard it before Laura so we'll take that as an offside rule exclusive but I'd have to I'm not I'm not saying every night she would do this but I'm like what I'd have to like sit in a quiet room I'd need two hours to like think about like I'm not like that 
But yeah, she's just kind of really creative, really energetic. You say about the creativity, that was something I discovered in France because I set all of the lionesses a challenge. They came down, I, I was sort of the England reporter with FIFA for the tournament and you get some time with them. And one of the things we did was just put up... Um, a big pad and get them to draw each other and she was really really good she did this caricature she was a really good drawer um which which shocked me um and she always floored me with with the the one day in the lift because I was staying in the team hotel and got in and there were a few of them Jill being one and it was the night after the record-breaking figures on the BBC and I just said great figures girls and then Jill Jill actually <laughs> did, gestured oh, no, no. like you know exactly what she did she was like yes oh, you, walk, you walked straight into I know I did I did I did walk straight into it I oh. did in oh. the days when you could still get into a lift together eh <laughs> uh, well um of course Jill's upgraded her love of tea for for coffee now she's a connoisseur coffee drinker isn't she she loves her she loves her boutique coffee I know that for sure and perhaps that's why she's able to do so much at once Bas perhaps that's her secret it's very very very, very caffeine feel mine maybe and but that's one thing where she has lost her lost her roots she's you know it used to be you know the just the usual and any any coffee any yeah tea any coffee you do but now like you say it's the independent barista coffee shop she's gone up mark she's pop she's <laughs> lost her roots there that's one thing I will say for her that's a across next to her name (laughs) (laughs) one person who knows Jill very well is the manager who gave her her international debut Hope Powell I managed to catch up with Hope after the England game today we started with domestic matters first though this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. First of all, fill us in on the international break. Has it been a good opportunity for you to regroup? Yeah, it's been a welcome break, actually. Yes, a little bit of pressure off. Certainly the the last couple of results have been really good. So it gives us a chance to enjoy that bit of chance for some players to, to, to recover. So yeah, we've, we've welcomed the break. We should probably explain to our listeners that you're in your office at Brighton. Are you at the moment? No, no, no. It's a, it's a day off today for players (laughs) today. So I, I'm in uh, my office at home. I can see all those books and manuals behind you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the basement. We've not long lived here. So it's a bit of a, bit of clearing out to do and stuff but yeah I'm in the basement at home in my office great for soundproofing though for us which is good news so the builders start knocking and and I can see some photos behind you as well I'm straining to work out whether that frame with four photos in whether that's football related it it looks like it is yeah it's Olympics actually oh fab yeah yeah it's got to go on the wall somewhere but uh, need sorting out a few things you've had um well by your own admission um a really roller coaster six or seven weeks of it. Um, that fantastic win against Chelsea to end their 33 game unbeaten run. There was, I guess, a sort of low of Bristol before that, and then Chelsea, and then winning at West Ham afterwards as well. Just describe now that you've had a bit of time, I suppose, to just sit back and digest it. Just describe how it's felt. 
Um, yeah, as I said uh, on previous interviews, a bit of a roller coaster. I think the the game against Bristol, um, we we didn't do at all well by our own admission. Um, it was a really low point. Um, you know, must give credit to them. They, they they performed and we certainly didn't. And the games have been thick and fast and tough up until that point. So you kind of look at the games where you give yourself a realistic chance of getting something. Um, and then you work accordingly. And we thought Bristol was a potential that we could get something. And obviously we didn't. Um, so that was a real low. We, we regrouped. We looked at it. Everybody reflected, including myself, all the staff. Players had a meeting. And then we basically pressed the reset button. And then the next game, Chelsea, which nobody expected us to win. Um, and if I'm honest... I didn't expect that we would win. What we wanted to do was was showcase ourselves in a better light than what we did against Bristol. Um, and we certainly did that, defended very well. We went a goal down very early. So, you you know, you kind of question that. But the, the girls responded so well and so quickly. And then obviously, Drew, and then the second game, a bit of luck, assistance from the wind ball goes in we hang on for nine minutes or however many minutes it felt like 90 to be honest um we hung on for dear life they a compliment to us they put three top class world-class players on to try and win the game uh, but we were absolutely resolute steadfast and dug in and you know when that final whistle went it, it, it was a great feeling I think the fact that we've beaten Chelsea and more importantly than just beating Chelsea was the fact that we got three much needed points and then, and then obviously the next game becomes the game where you, you want that same effort and attitude. Otherwise, it's all in vain. Um, and the girls, again, responded really, really well. I think we dominated the game against West Ham. And I think we were deserved winners, even though it was an own goal, I must say. So those six points in the two games, given what had happened before, um, has really lifted everybody. But it also reminds us you know, and I have to remind the players and everybody that so how quickly things can change. Yeah. Have you got the builders in, Hope? Yes. <laughs> Apologies. We're hearing drilling. No, 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 it's absolutely fine. Um, I've got them next door as well. So if it's not drilling from you, it's probably banging from me next next door. But we will we will soldier on regardless. When you talk about regrouping, and I know that you've compared this to your point as England manager, where you knew it was time to regroup, but you didn't get that opportunity. And that's that's the great thing about club yeah. football. The games come thick and fast, and you're midway through a season. Um, and also someone with your experience and the club clearly trust you, put a lot of faith in you, as do the players as well. It gives you that chance to turn things around. But of course, it has to be done quickly as well. So how did you do that? How did you utilise the, the little time that you had? to effectively turn round whether it was play whether it was confidence were there sort of key elements that you had to drill down very quickly yeah I think it was about brutal honesty and I, I think um you allow well I certainly did I allowed the players to to speak I challenged them I questioned I asked them you know questions around the environment were they happy were they not happy are we as coaches doing something wrong what else can we do and just brutal honesty and very open, open dialogue. And they themselves recognised that it wasn't good enough by their own standards, their own personal pride and their own standards. Um, they had a meeting. Obviously, I met with staff. We all reflected. But it was really quite frank. 
And then in the end, it was just a case of me saying, this is what you will do and this is what you will have to do. And then if you do this, you give yourself a chance. And I think the players themselves, I think that the really good thing was that the players themselves knew that the Bristol match was so out of character and they didn't like it. Games to Chelsea before and actually we, we it's felt like a win. You know, so it's a bit of pride in performance and they knew that they would have to do that in order to salvage something and more importantly salvage themselves, a bit of dignity and a bit of pride. Mm -hmm. So basically all I did was reset, start again, basics. This is what you will have to do and this is what you're going to do. And they responded to it. And, and, you know, thankfully it worked. You know, I can sit here now because it works. Had it not have worked, then... You, you know, it's a different picture um, and a different scenario, but but it worked. And then West Ham, more importantly, it worked again. And now we've just got to keep keep going and and reminding ourselves of that moment in Bristol, which nobody liked. Yeah. What about you as a manager? With your experience, you'll you'll still be open enough and honest to, uh, enough to say, well you're still learning, you're still finding out new things about your players or about about your playing style and where you want to take it. Is there one key thing that you think, oh, I've actually walked out of this experience with this extra bit in my toolbox, with this bit of knowledge or with this experience? I think every day is an experience, to be honest. <laughs> I think club football is so different to international football. It is a world apart. I think the beauty of international Football is you get them for a period of time. If it's a tournament, a period of time, and you know when that end is, um, do well or badly, there's an end date. You could be in a tournament for four weeks, six weeks, and you plan for the six weeks, hopefully. But you know that that, that sort of season of tournament is ended and you you start again if you, if you are given the chance, which I had 15 fantastic years at England. I think with club football, that you feel like you're in a constant tournament because the game's around and back, but it gives you a chance to reset and go again. I've been in club football now um, three years, and obviously last season we didn't complete the season. So this is only our, this is our third year at the top flight, but actually we only had half a season. So we've actually only had probably two years in the top flight. So it's still very new. I think one of the things that, that I've really taken away is you can't assume anything. You have, you cannot assume because you're playing a side that you've beaten before that you're going to beat them again. You can't assume a side that's always beaten you is going to beat you again. And you have to prepare diligently for every game and every moment and every situation because it is so relentless and fast and, Players change from season to season and it's so different. And for me, that certainly my first year as a club manager was really challenging. It, I felt uh, my head was spinning. But, you, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. You know, your tolerance, very different. Well, I, I, I sort of wonder whether you've had to become, you sort of talk about your tolerance. Have you, have you had to become more patient? Yeah. Definitely, definitely more patient. I, I love developing players. Um, so with England, I was responsible for the pathway and I was involved with the kids, with the you know seniors. It's about winning and results driven and stuff like that. Um, 
I enjoy developing players. We, we you know, I can do that in this environment. We, we haven't got a team full of internationals, so they're still learning. So I've had to learn tolerance, more patience. And, and I think, you know, I've changed. I'm a bit older and a bit wiser. I'm a bit more relaxed. And I, I think you, you have to get to know the personalities of your players in order to draw the best out of them. And, and you, you show a little bit of yourself. And I'm not very good at that. I'm, I must admit, I'm quite a private person. Um, I don't show much of myself, but I find myself trying to do that mm. because you are with them every day. Do you think you have to show your vulnerability as a leader as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. which, which, to be honest, is not not something I I do. You know, it's really important that players get to see a little bit of you and know you a little bit. You are the first woman to win the LMA's the League Manager's um, Association's Performance of the Week Award, um, which came after that Chelsea win, of course, which is a fantastic thing to do. Again, it puts it puts you in the headlines for the right reasons. So congratulations for that. I think also I want to talk about BAME representation in the game as well and how unusual it is ridiculously that we don't have enough BAME managers within the game and that your name being up there having won that award is great but we need to think about the legacy as well a bit don't we and you must think about this at this stage in your career as well who's going to be the next Hope Pal? Well there'll never be another Hope Pal that's for sure Um, I (laughs) I think there will be hopefully somebody who who you know looks like me you know which which is really important there's nobody you've you've got to be able to look up I, I never had that um, I hope the game allows that opportunity. There are some very, very talented, young, eager, knowledgeable black coaches who who are who are desperate to be involved in the game. I'm saying male and female. So it, it, I'm hoping that the opportunities will be afforded to those those candidates in the future, and there will be many more that can reach these the accolades that, that I've reached and, and have that spotlight in their own right. And I'm hoping that comes to fruition at some point. Do you think the pathway is good enough for them? It's about opportunities, isn't it? Um, are you talking about the pathway for managers or the pathway for players? Well, but, uh, probably both. I mean, sort of players is, is perhaps a separate issue if we talk about this sort of recent press around the England team mm-hmm. having very, very few you know black and um black uh, players from um, different ethnic origins um but almost managers is yes that's kind of one side of it and then managers is a, is another side of it whether, whether there's enough an, enough of a development pathway there to allow BAME managers to come through to the game whether there needs to be something specific something more I, driven towards that I think there's, there there have been so many initiatives haven't there that if, if, you know, there's been um, uh, BAME uh, scholarships, there's, there's been all these initiatives that the FA have run and, and bodies alike that have run. There are so many talented uh, black coaches that it is actually about opportunities. If I flip it on the head years ago, we need to get more females qualified. We, that's all I ever heard. There were so There are and still are so many females qualified. And now we're just starting to get the opportunity. So there are loads of black coaches qualified in the male and the female game 
that just aren't given an opportunity. So all these initiatives, they're, they're the same. A license, B license, all the courses are the same. So, and the qualification is the same. It must be the opportunities. Yeah. That and that's down given. to club level, isn't it? And that is down to, to people who appoint. So the CVs are the same. The experience could be the same. But the appointment favours one over the other. Do you think there's some bias there? Conscious and unconscious, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, because there are there are so many if you if you look historically, certainly in the men's game, of of the black players that have come through that have been household names that are on the same scale of those household names from England that go on to to manage while others don't. You know, there's a lot of black players that have been in the limelight, you, you know, on a world stage that don't get the opportunity to manage. So there's there's some conscious or unconscious, some conscious bias going on somewhere. So you can put in all the schemes you like because there has been so many. It's about opportunity. And, and somebody looking at the, you know, Forget the name, Forget. look at the qualifications, what they've done in the game and give them an opportunity. Do you think that bias is racism? Is it racism? Probably. Probably. You know, if, what else is it? You know, if the qualifications are the same and the experience is the same, where's the divider here? Yes, I do. I think it's racism. Yeah, I do. Let's move on to just talk about England a little bit. And I want to bring Jill Scott into this. You were the manager who gave Jill her debut today, her 150th cap for England. Tell us how that makes you feel as sort of someone who's followed Jill throughout this 15 year international career. Yeah, I must say what a brilliant human being, first and foremost. Uh, It's such a lovely she probably won't believe what I'm saying this is about her, actually. Um, but she's a fantastic character, a great athlete, and I'm I'm really genuinely pleased for her. Great ambassador, great role model for kids, great role model for adults, actually. And I'm just really pleased and, and so thoroughly deserved. She was one of these these footballers who who you know we we now call footballers athletes don't we she was an athlete she she epitomizes the center midfield player that is box to box I mean this kid can run (laughs) and still still run but not only could she run you know for her frame and her physicality she doesn't actually look like a footballer she looks like a runner but this kid can run and play football and is a pleasure to have in the team. And w- what a super character, the funniest girl you could ever meet and a pleasure to work with, to be honest. You obviously spent so many years in charge of the England women's team. And I, I think it's fair to say with nearly a year without any competitive games, of course, COVID has got in the way. But they're, they're, I, I mean, myself as a journalist, I would comment that it's been a bit of a messy year. Do you think we're at a better place now with England or could it have been done better if we're thinking about from now onwards? I can't judge that. Could it have been done better, really? I think that would be a little bit unfair. I, I think what's what's good 
is that something has happened. You know, it's shifted. All right, there's interim coaches. I found that a little bit different. I'm I'm really pleased that it's it's um, Hager and uh, Rianne, who's assistant, two females that are qualified, that have experienced it, that have seen it and done it. That pleased me no end. And then you've got Serena coming in, seen it, done it, experienced it, and and talented females given the opportunity. So I'm really pleased about that. I think. I think we have to look to the here and now. I think what went before has gone. There's nothing we can do about it. And I think they really just need to look forward, be it Olympics, be it the qualifiers for what's after the Euros, which they've qualified for all the games around that. So I think that is the real focus. And the pleasing thing that they've appointed and they've got somebody appointed that's somebody that's very capable, hopefully to take England further forward. Let's bring it right back to Brighton. Um, you've obviously had this had this break. You're back next up against Spurs, I think it is. Um, tell us about your plans for the rest of the season. How do you how, how do you take this terrific momentum that's built from Chelsea, and what does that mean for your targets for the rest of the season? Yeah, maybe you need to ask me after the Tottenham game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think we, we're just trying to build. Uh, I, I think the club, I must give credit to the club. I think just, it's just a fantastic environment to, to be in. They, they, the club recognise the challenge of the game. They recognise the, the, the ups and downs of, of football. And, but they believe in what we're trying to do with the women's side as well as what they're trying to do in the men's side. There are long-term targets, but we have to set those short-term targets in place. I think for the women now, it's just we want to build on the momentum of the great win against Chelsea. We don't want that to be in vain. We are looking to improve with every game. We want to stay in the league, but we don't. I don't want to just stay in the league, and neither do the players. But we also recognise what we're up against, um, and we have to build on that to be better today tomorrow next week next month next year every day is about being better and that's my job along with the staff and if the players engage in that it's brilliant which they do um so we're just trying to build something that is sustainable and great well we look forward to seeing what happens for the rest of the season good luck hope and it's been great to speak to you thank you thank you very much kate nice to see you credit to her for speaking so openly about racism and you know bias within the game in um, in terms of BAME coaches and how the opportunities aren't there and we need to look at club level for that I, I also thought Laura this was interesting how she's said that she does have to be more vulnerable she sort of had to show a more vulnerable softer side to herself as a club manager uh, if you compare that to her as an international manager does that does that surprise you um, yes it does to be honest I think because Growing up, growing through, you know, under Hope Powell and and her having a huge part in my career, um, vulnerability and being vulnerable certainly wouldn't have been a word that I would have associated with Hope. And I don't, yeah. I don't think she'll mind saying that. You know, I think she's quite open about that. But seeing her, seeing her recent interviews as well, it's good to see. And actually, now there is a lot of research and in leadership, especially in high performance environments where vulnerability people can connect to you more, understand you more and work better if you show a little bit of vulnerability, open open yourselves up. So maybe that's something that she's learned, worked on, um, and it's, it seems to be working for her. But yeah, it certainly does. It feels strange as an ex-player under her listening to her because it was certainly very, um, 
you know, a complex personality. Um, you know, you were scared of her. You, she ruled by fear. My first, very first camp, she made me stand up in front of everyone. She said, oh, Laura Bassett, you come with uh, some good recommendations. And then there was a long silence and I was still standing there. Everyone else is sat down. Don't disappoint. And at that point, the 16 year old, I was like, oh, my God. But, but obviously, you know, you, look, you can look at different ways. Is she challenging me? Is she, um, you know, seeing what my mentality is like? And, and, you know, I think that set the tone for me. But it, it's great to see her being so because also if you, the more vulnerable and open you are, other coaches look up to her and we're all listening and learning from her so because she's certainly achieved a lot in the game. Something else, this gives you some insight into Kate. The first thing that she wrote down off the back of this interview, which I get to read this as well, is all, um, her office was fascinating, loads of books on the shelf. I noticed Matthew Syed's book, Dr. Steve Peters, Foul, The Secret World of FIFA. You don't want Kate snooping around your house, is what I'm saying. Well, Kate, you'd be good on Through the Keyhole. <laughs> Remember that game show? <laughs> Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. Well, let's take a quick whistle-stop tour around the other home nations. Scotland, of course, can't qualify for Euro 2022. They're in action as we record at the moment. They demolished Cyprus 10-0 last week. Another stunner from Caroline Weir. At the moment, they're facing Portugal in Cyprus due to travel restrictions. Stuart McLaren's first game in interim charge at the side looking for a permanent manager still. Wales are on a training camp currently ahead of the 2023 World Cup qualifying campaign. Uh, The news coming out of the Welsh camp at the moment is that Jess Fishlock is to be recalled from her loan at Reading in April before a return to parent club OL Reign. That's in the USA's NWSL. Um, And that could be really crippling for Reading because I think she's been crucial to them. But good good for the States, Bass. Yeah, exactly. Good for the States, good for the NWSL. The schedule and the dates are all yet to be confirmed. They haven't been released yet. Uh, but I think it's April time. So I think for Jess, um, you know, to finish one season and head straight into another, it's perfect, especially after coming off that long injury that she had. She missed a lot of football, so she'll be raring to go. Just hope she don't have a good game against Orlando Pride. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that's the internationals dealt with. Um, let's return to the league and look ahead to some fixtures. So just three fixtures on the Sunday to go through in the Women's Super League. Aston Villa up against Arsenal. Birmingham play Manchester City and Tottenham play Everton. Uh, anything we want to pick out from here? So, some of them appear to be quite one-sided, I suppose, um, apart from the Spurs-Everton game, which should be quite an interesting gauge of where both those sides are. Yeah, I'm really intrigued about um, Tottenham-Everton, to be honest. I think... Um, you know, both having with Everton having a change of players and, and still getting Goban back, having, adding Jill Scott, um, but still losing to Man United and, and having those two recent draws. They haven't quite, you know, we're still missing, aren't we, those performances that we saw at the back end of 2020. So can they kickstart their season off again? Um, whereas Rianne Skinner came into Spurs, injected that new lease of life, but then struggled the last two games. Chelsea, you know, which is sometimes expected. But then I was surprised that they lost to Aston Villa. So where are they? What are they gauging? Can they both climb up the table? It'd be really interesting to see. 
One of your former clubs, Birmingham's in action. Now, uh, we have to say that since Carla Ward came in, they they really turned things around. But is this going to be a challenge, this one, for a couple of reasons? They haven't played since the start of Feb. And then we've seen this week, and we have to cover the bad news as well as the good news now, a couple of Birmingham players were caught breaking lockdown rules after attending a party held held by some of the Leicester City team. Uh, I don't know whether this news passed you by, Laura, but I do do wonder how they'll respond to that, because we saw what happened with Arsenal after the Dubai issue. Yeah, it was really disappointing, wasn't it? I think from both clubs, I, I believe that both clubs have dealt with the situation from the HR department. And but you're right, you know, a lot of people do have players do have strong views on COVID, and they know someone that's unfortunately had COVID bad, or um, people that are working on the front line. So it it certainly does it can divide teams and people's opinions. But um, but yeah, in terms of Birmingham, I think it'll be tough to beat Man City. I know. Uh, Basically, a lot of Man City players have been away with the Lionesses, so they'll be itching to get back to club form and, and, and carry on with, with what they're building and achieving. And they seem to be peaking at the right time, don't they, and keep on, on Chelsea's heels. So it'd be a really interesting one. But I think, you know, Birmingham may lack a bit of sharpness and, and that 90-minute play in their legs and playing together as a team. What do you make of the title race quickly, Laura? Of course, City... Um, are, well, five points behind Chelsea, but they've got a game in hand. This is their game in hand. Um, It is quite exciting up there. Um, And we should also throw in the sort of disappearance of Arsenal fading, fading away. What's your take on where things will stand towards the end of the season? Really interesting, isn't it? I just, I can't call it. I can't call who's going to get that top spot, who's going to win it. I think because those two teams play each other, don't they, in April, if if I'm right? Mm. Um, so that's going to be a huge game, and and, it, and and in previous seasons it's come down to that game, hasn't it? Um, so really interesting, and you just don't know with injuries or um, if the if the goals dry up, and also add that into the mix with Champions League. That's a different beast, but something that can, you know, either hinder you or push you onto the next level. I just don't think you can call it. But and then with Arsenal, um, something's not. I don't know. I don't really have any behind the scenes information or um, I'm not really in touch with anybody at Arsenal but something's not right is it there's an underlying current that isn't right Um, maybe they can turn that round because they have played the top teams in the last two games with Chelsea Man City recently within three or four days so maybe they can turn that round against Aston Villa and and springboard from them but whether it's players out of contract and, and whether they haven't secured their future with Arsenal whether it was the Dubai gate I, I don't know but something doesn't sit right it doesn't feel feel like it's um you know a, a harmonious camp there I think we've managed to rinse you for everything you're worth Bass <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for your time which is not a lot <laughs> <laughs> no it is it is um we also must mention that we had an exclusive we did our sit down with you back in December which we alluded to earlier uh, people can still download that and find out more about your own career uh, we did exactly the same with Jill Scott as well who we've mentioned who got that 150th cap so if you want to know about Jill's career there's an exclusive with her as well that's right you can find us via at offside rule pod on all the socials and our website too has some really excellent coverage
coverage of the women's game. Jesse Parker Humphreys has done a piece on assessing Hegarisa's first game in charge. So that will be up very, very soon. There's also something there on the American college system as well when it comes to soccer over there and how that works and what the ramifications are from Ali Rampling. So some interesting pieces uh, about to be published in the next day or so. Um, Lindsay, we're back next week, aren't we? We are. Uh, one of the things that Bass will be used to over in the States, ev- everyone gets behind everyone. And I noticed on some podcasts um, that are purely NWSL based, they have lots of rates and reviews. And I think we're a little bit more British in this country, but feel free <laughs> to subscribe and give us five stars. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> um, Bass, thanks so much for joining us. Laura Bassett here on the podcast this week. And we'll speak to you again. Enjoy the sunny States, won't you? Thank you, ladies. Great to talk to you. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic.